Hey there, everyone, and welcome to our very first podcast, Can You See What I See? And Vic, my beautiful co-host, I wonder if she can see what I see. I think I've got a, I've got a bit of a gut feeling she can. Um, I see a kinder, happier world where people are safe and empowered, inspired to choose greater. So Vic, can you see what I see? Oh, wow. I tell you, I want to see that. I really do want to see that more more of it. But yes, I, I know it's a possibility. So thanks, Grace. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, it's beautiful when you say you know it's a possibility because if you do know it, you see it, right? If you can perceive it, then you actually be it inside yourself. And that's what I really look forward to with this podcast, hearing what the listeners know that we don't know, that they can see what we can't see. And um, hopefully we'll also share things that we see that maybe they would like to see and um, encourage them to do so. So a little bit about me. Oh my goodness. So I've been through everything uh, from rape, domestic violence, um, you know, really bad car accident, all sorts of things. I won't go into too much detail except to say I have chronic um, post-traumatic stress and um, I've gone through my own, or actually not gone through, it's, a, it's an ongoing journey um, with my own counselling. And when, as I've gone through this, I've said to my counsellor, oh my goodness, like everyone needs this information. <laughs> and I was chatting with my friend Vic and um, she's like, you know what, let's do this. Let's actually inspire a, a world that we see. So that's oh, a, yeah, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say that's exactly what um, Vic and I were talking about and I was going to throw it to you. So perfect timing, go for it. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Grace. I, I've been saying for a long time, it's time for that different conversation. And so what we're going to see, what um, I'm going to see what you can see about trauma today. So uh, what that different conversation might look and feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited that, um, you know, people like Oprah and, um, you know, Prince Harry, Lady Gaga, you know, it's getting out there at the trauma-informed society because my actual knowing, deep knowing, is that this reality is traumatic. And, you know, I used to think that, you know, post-traumatic stress only happened with people that went to war. However, I've realised now that it's actually about stacking. Um, You can, chronic um, post-traumatic stress is this ongoing drip factor of of stress. Um, And it can also be you imagining or seeing stress um, can you know solicit that so trauma is very very complex and um, you know one of the things that I would love us to get to is that when you know in Australia we talk the, about Karens like oh she's being a Karen well maybe not maybe it's trauma but before we get what into any Karen <laughs> well I think a, Karen? I think a Karen is actually a disassociated part but I mean we can get onto that later because I want the listeners to hear about who who the heck are you oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Well, Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Okay, love to. Thank you. I first met Grace about 15 years ago and I was always struck by your presence, Grace, and I felt a deep connection with you um, without knowing anything about you at a head level. Um, and since then, I've had the pleasure of sharing my life, own personal life journey with you and some of those have been through some very challenging times. And one of the things I really liked about um, talking with you was that you never made anybody wrong or you didn't blame others or situations. It was more about is there something I'm not seeing right now that if I could see, it might just change my life for the better. And there are a number of special people in my life that I trust to point out what's in my blind spot and great, you're one of them. Thank you. Uh, But with some of my professional background, I was a project manager for Corroboree 2000 where 250,000 people walked over Sydney Harbour Bridge in support of reconciliation. 
that was um, it was wonderful to work with our First Nations peoples at that time. And even though I'd been working in Prime Minister's Department and I'd held senior positions at age 18, I was working for the Governor-General, but for as long as I could remember, I was often filled with self-doubt. And I fed that belief with um, stories like, I didn't have a degree, who am I to think I can do this when there are others much more qualified, more clever than I was? Oh dear, it won't be long before they realise I'm a fraud, etc., etc. But at the wash-up of Corroboree, Ray Martin acknowledged everyone who'd contributed to make the event a success. And then he stopped and said, but if it wasn't for Vicky Scott, it wouldn't have happened. And this was gobsmacking for me because I thought, I didn't really do anything. I just made others, you know, made sure they knew what was required and I helped them to identify any blockages along the way. You know, it's. I, I, I really do have to interrupt there. It's, you know, I didn't do anything. You know, you made it happen. <laughs> and it's, it is that self-doubt that, you know, you don't see your own value sometimes. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> uh, well, when people ask how I did it, I used to say, oh, I've got a good gut feel. Mm. But, yeah, you're right, Grace. That aha moment for me was recognising that my good gut feel, as I called it, was actually my innate wisdom talking to me. And I seemed to be guided when to phone or meet with someone. And I remember when I got that feeling and I would call, sure enough, things had gone off the rails. But until then, I hadn't acknowledged that my good gut feel was actually my very own personal GPS. And I had no language around that. It wasn't talked about, was it, back then? And I could hardly use the skill in an interview by saying, I have a good gut feel. Um, yeah, that is that big... is a super you know superpower. And imagine just imagine hiring someone that had such a good connection to their gut that they could you know see in the future, oh this person no don't hire that person or definitely hire that person or oh, we need to make this move. It's priceless. Well, it's interesting you say that because the more I got more confident about using some language around that, the more people used to say, well, actually, yes, I I know what you mean, but there was no vocabulary around it. Correct. And so it really hit me that, well, hang on, perhaps there's a whole different library that we haven't even tapped into. Um, Uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, a whole different library. And, you know, that's the thing with trauma. We're looking at the survival library and, you know, the bear, the bear, the bear, the problem, the problem, the issue, the issue, when there's a whole different library. Um, I love that. I love that. Wow. Yeah, I like what you just said. Oh, you just, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could see what you could see just then. (laughs) You said something before about self doubt. Um, Is that been your experience about being related to? Yeah, I, I actually, my own, my gut um, is actually saying that self-doubt isn't who we are. It's not part of our natural personality. And um, and I go so far as talking about um, disenfranchised parts or disassociated parts. And I love to give the example of, imagine you're a flower and in the centre of the flower is your beingness. It's that gut, it's that knowing, it's that connectedness to everything. And then the petals are aspects of you that you can call upon so for example now I'm speaking at a podcast so there'll be an aspect of um, loving that and doing that however there are also petals from the past um, past trauma and I call those disassociative or disenfranchised petals and as much as yes they are you from a past experience um, they're not actually helping you now and um, so it's really important to recognise that one of those petals could be self-doubt and um, one of those parts could have um, 
a real connection to self-doubt, but it's not actually who you are. And I always say to people, if, you've, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't know whether I should do this, I'm, you know, I'm doubting this or I'm confused about that, generally speaking, what I say is that chances are you're not in the centre of your flower. You actually um, have confused yourself and you think you're a petal. And that one petal might be the petal of doubt or um, you know, one of your disassociative parts, for example. Does that make sense? Oh. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, it's such a basic language, but you talked about, you know, us being a more trauma-informed society, yeah. and I'm so thrilled to see, you know, the medical profession are now contributing to this vocabulary. Um, I love that book by um, Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah, What Brilliant Happened book. to You. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, and it's conversations on trauma, resilience and healing. And I think, wow, I wished I'd had that book available to me. Because really, as you said, some people have been through very, very traumatic experiences and mental health disorders can result as a um, result of that. But for most of us, sometimes it's just around not getting the emotional nurturing that we required as young ones. And I know in my case, I was number four in a family of seven children. And my poor mum, gosh, you know, they were wonderful parents, but four kids and I think the eldest wasn't in hadn't turned four and a half by the time I was born so there's a lot of a lot of us that really um, probably have had it from something that we just say I'll get over it others had it much worse so that's been part of our language around you know that there's always somebody worse off instead of validating our own emotions yeah, well, you know, this is the thing that I know about this planet, I guess, is that we, we think we need to judge something to change it or we think we need to get into enough pain, you know, to avoid it and to make a change. And the world that I see is a world where you can acknowledge what's not working but then actually look at creating something different. And, you know, one of the things that was huge for me was recognising that everything starts with energy, and, um, you know, every creation, um, every change, one of the things, you know, I'm passionate about domestic violence and I hear a lot, why don't they just leave? And the very first thing I say is you can have the money, you can have the support, but if you don't have the energy to leave, it's not going to happen. And the opposite's true. If you've got no money, no support, but you've got the energy to leave, you will. And um, that's the same with anything in business or relationship. If you don't have the energy and when you're on your petals, you're only functioning from a part of yourself. And if one of those pedals that you're on who's in the driver's seat is a disassociated part, it's a part that's not really helping you right now, even though it thinks it is, um, you know, you can, be, you know, behave in a way, for example, um, one of the disassociated parts might be five years old. And then all of a sudden you you're, you don't have um, the ability. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about with um, the trauma brain is you don't have the ability to see possibilities scientifically proven that when you're in survival brain you don't have access to the rest of the brain and it's only until you really get the languaging around it and say hang on a minute the way I'm behaving is this actually me or a petal oh okay mm. come back and you know one of the mm. things that um, a lot of people don't realize is I, I do believe that the majority of the planet are functioning from petals and <laughs> they're just sort of hopping between the petals and, and they think it's them being who they are and what I'd like to see is, you know, more safety, security and support out there for everybody because it's, I mean, until you've got that safety, security and support, you can't change. You can't acknowledge, oh, maybe I'm being a bit of a Karen. You know, maybe I'm being one of those petals that isn't actually um, contributing to my life anymore. Mm. 
yeah, well, how many times do we use the language of, you know, part of me wants to do that, but oh, another part of me is really, exactly. I think, wow. Mm. Yeah. Or or like, oh, wow, that just sounded like my mum or my dad or or who who was that that just showed up? You know, you, sometimes you, you sort of think, oh, what was that about? Or you've bared witness to it with somebody else. It's like, whoa, he's never said yeah. that or she's never done that. And, and chances are it's one of those disassociated parts or, um, you know, trying to seek attention um, and untether. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You know, one of the things being a project manager that comes to me always is we forget that our life is actually the biggest project we're ever going to do. And I love that. Oh, well, you know, I, I know with any project, once I can see the vision, it doesn't matter which road I take to get there because I know where I'm going to end up. But we don't do that to our kids. You know, we, growing up, we've sort of had decades of, um, hundreds of years probably of trying to make people fit a certain mould, you know, and the definition of success is all around money, position, power, status. But the thing that I get is, well, how do you want to feel when the day comes where our life is over? And I don't feel that the language of possibility is part of our everyday vocabulary. So we're, or as you said, you talk about we're in survival most of our lives. Um, so can you give me examples? I know you and I have talked about this. Um, yeah. You've talked you know, about the um, when you go into fight, flight, freeze and fawn. Can you say some more about sure. fawn? Sure, yeah. So one of the things that happens when you're in survival brain is it's instead of being into possibilities where you have access to your whole brain and you can – you know, expand out. Um, the the world's expansive. You can look around and see what's required. Um, you know, like Vic, when you were organising the walk across the Sydney Harbour Bridge, you weren't just focused on the, the, the literal bridge. You were focused on everything. And as problems arose, you know, you brought in the people that were required from a place of expansion. But when you're in survival brain, you end up focusing on one thing, the bear, you know, the bear that's just coming at you, the thing that you need to survive mm. from. And, um, and so... What happens with that is that it will trigger. Um, we all we all have triggers where um, one of those pedals hops in the driver's seat, and um, and sometimes that pedal, as I said, could be a five year old. And um, and so what they can look like is fight. In other words, you're going to fight the bear. So if something's being triggered, someone said something, or something's happened in your environment, you'll fight, or you'll freeze. You know, in nature, when you've seen those animals when they're they're being hunted and they know that they don't have the energy to keep running, they just pretend and lay dead. And there's a good chance in that in that situation that the the animal that's chasing them will just stop because it's not fun anymore. You know, as typical with psychopaths as well. You know, they want the excitement, and when the excitement stops, it's like, oh, I'll just go on to my next victim. So you know, so that's the fight flight. Uh, Flight is when you run. You know, you absolutely bolt from your um you know withdraw bolt but then there's the the um fawning now the fawning is one that a lot of people don't know about and it's it's like the people pleaser and it's it's usually highly effective with domestic violence where you become who they want you to become and they'll use all their tactics to get you to actually um almost forget who you are and it's a it's a slow process, you know. One one of the researchers has shown, you know, for example, with domestic violence and these sort of pe- uh, personalities, they are very happy to wait for a year to two years to train their victim. 
So it's not like they just get in there and and start abusing straight away. It's a very calculated thing for the majority of these type of personalities. And a lot of people don't know that. So so there's the fight where you're fighting. There's the freeze where you just play dead. Um, There's the fawning. And then there's the flight, as um, which is just you know back out, disappear, mm. make an excuse. Um, you know, I, I always hear in my sure. head beep beep beep, you know, like reverse, reverse, <laughs> reverse. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow, you know, you talk about it in relation to domestic violence, and I hear you know the seriousness of that, and I have actually witnessed that at close hand, but not never having had a name for it. I guess um, you can observe it, but it's not something we've got vocabulary around or we're getting it now but you know that that actually reminds me talk about fawning and people pleasing that happens in the workplace sure does if if, um people don't feel secure in their job if they're a contractor or a consultant or just a casual these days are more and more casual jobs fewer permanent ones but you will do you'll actually hold part of you back because you think if you step outside what you think is expected of you then it's not safe you may lose your job so I actually think there's so much about humanity that we're missing because of this very thing called survival brain and fawning as a result of it um, which puts it in a much bigger scale than DV it's actually stopping our planet um, thrive and survive. It's, it's in every aspect. You're completely correct. And, um, you know, unless you feel safe, secure and supported, you're not going to get the best out of that person, whether it's an employee or your partner. You know, imagine being with somebody romantically, for example, where you feel absolutely safe, secure and supported. That You'll show up. All of you will show up. And it's the most delicious thing you could possibly have in relationship, whether it's intimate or uh, friendship. But imagine being in the workplace. Imagine being in a workplace where your whole team is there and you feel totally safe, supported, secure. You're going to step up. You're going to be brave. You're going to try things that you would not normally you know, be hesitant to try. And, and you're correct in saying what we've got is a planet where everyone's you know, presenting their watered-down self that's safe. And that includes... You know, governments, um, you know, they're not, they're frightened to legislate um, effectively because they, they don't feel so safe, secure and supported. You know, our policing, um, mm. they don't feel safe, secure and supported to actually go beyond or, or try something different. Absolutely. Mm. No, as a society, we're quick to jump on them, aren't we? For, uh, But it's showing up in there's no trust in politicians. Uh, you know, yeah. there's a whole raft of things that... Um, and, you know, I love reading Dr. Brené Brown. She writes a lot about vulnerability and it's exactly what you're talking about. Um, if you don't feel safe, secure and supported, then you're not going to allow yourself to be vulnerable in that place. And one of the things she says about it is vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creation and change. I love that. And wouldn't it create greater if we all allowed ourselves to feel vulnerable? Yeah, and you know, one of the things I love about her, I was listening to a podcast with her and she gave the example of two football teams and she said, just imagine two identical football teams and um, the, and the one of their players, main players, has um, something wrong with their shoulder or whatever. However, on one team, the player is, has said to the coach, hey coach, I've got this sore shoulder. He's been vulnerable. He's saying, I've got this problem, right? And then the coach goes, okay, no problem. We'll you know 
let the other team members know and we'll all, you know, protect you and rally behind you knowing that you have that vulnerability today. And then the other team, the guy doesn't share that he's got a sore shoulder. He doesn't want to be vulnerable. He wants to be the tough, you know, just just push through the pain, be a real man, you know. Mm. And mm. she said, who would you back on? Like, who? which team would you support? Which team do you think would do better? Oh, and wow. and I just loved that because there's such strength in vulnerability and that example just so beautifully illustrates, of course you're going to go for the team who's open and honest with each other. So if there is a vulnerability and a weakness, they're going to be looked after. And also mm. just from the psychological aspect, imagine the team being, it's okay to say, I've got a sore shoulder. You're not going to get booted out. You're not going to get victimised. You're going to get supported. You're going to feel safe and secure that, you know, you can mm. still play. And even if you can't play, you're still going to be, you know, looked after. So this is this is where, you know, I see a world where we're functioning from our petals and one of the parts um, people tend to have is what I call a manager part or a protector part, and usually both, and they're the ones that go, oh, no, no, don't tell. Don't tell that you've got a sore shoulder. And you think it's you making that, you know, having that thought. Oh, yeah, I better not tell. And so what I always say to people is please make sure, ask the question, are you coming from that that gut? And, you know, Vic, when you talked about your superpower with, you know, your connection to your gut, one of the things I really do want to get across is a lot of people in trauma, they have um, a misconception that they have a bad gut because they've gotten themselves into situations that nobody would, for example. And what I want to say is it's not true. Your gut is incredibly strong. But when you've got a protector part or you're functioning from a disassociative part, for example, then you don't have access or clear access to the centre of the flower. And so part of, you know, understanding trauma and, and, um, you know, untethering from these disassociative parts you'll spend more and more and more time with the ability to connect to that gut that that cannot be changed a perpetrator cannot actually mess with your gut so there's nothing wrong with your gut it's just more your ability to tap into it that's the issue and you know some people don't even have the energy to tap into their gut Mm. Mm. i just got a real wow there's a real strength in that isn't it um grace do do you think there's something that you know until our next podcast so it'll be lovely to hear what others say about that and but I'm wondering if um, there's something we can do between now and then yeah that, well, you know, yeah to help us recognize you know about about those parts perhaps absolutely um one of the things could just be languaging around it so next time you're, you're feeling confused or, or feeling just off in some way I'm pretty certain that it'll be a, a part more than your actual center of the flower so just ask the question So if you're feeling sad, for example, or confused, oh, am I actually feeling sad and confused? Or is that just a part? And if you get the awareness that it's a part, there's lots of strategies, tips, tools and techniques that we'll be going over um, in and around our discussions with these podcasts on numerous topics. Um, Also, you know, Google is your friend as well. And that brilliant book and Brene Brown, there's so many people out there now that can talk about these things. But I was certainly, um, if you're finding that you're spending a lot of time in your petals, go talk to somebody. Um, and you're, you, once you sort of get back into the centre of the flower, your whole world will change. It really will. So, yeah, just get, get with that languaging on is, am I actually sad or is it a part? And just that awareness alone can help you feel um, more connected to your gut and that centre of the flower. And then the other thing is stacking. You know, um, acknowledge, be grateful for the things that are working. 
and um, the things that are going well, acknowledge it and, and stack and stack and stack. Because one of the things that happens when you're in survival brain is that you go from that expanded to the very contracted laser beam, you know, the bear, the bear, the bear. And so what we want to do is we want to expand out. We don't want to keep, you know, going into the the bear, the bear, the bear, because that's when you've got your cortisol, your adrenaline, and you don't have access to the rest of your brain. You don't have access to infinite possibilities, you know. So, yeah, that's probably what I'd say, just positive stacking and notice if you're in the middle of the flower or on the petals. Oh, I love that. I think on the website we'll also put some other books that – it's the mind-gut connection and um, there's a number of others when the body says no, the cost of hidden stress. So doctors, the, the medical profession are now recognising that this, a, a, you know, too much adrenaline, cortisol, all of that, those, um, that affect our biochemistry, they're actually affecting our health, but we don't connect the yeah. dots. Yeah. We've compartmentalised ourselves so much that um, – but that's a story for another podcast, I think, right? <laughs> I think there's numerous topics, you know, just like there's numerous petals. And, you know, one of those parts can actually um, be in charge of the somatic, you know, and be in charge of your um, your health and can actually go so far as to create, you know, um, dis-ease and disease in your body. So, you know, what if you're not exhausted, tired or lazy? What if you're just – um, you know, you've had this ongoing trauma and um, and when you start to look at that and heal from that, you'll be surprised how much energy you get and um, that you can actually thrive and be happy again. And that's that's what I see, Vic. That's the world I see. Oh, I love what you see and I want to see more of it too. Thank well, you, Grace. I love what you see too. And guys, you know, please acknowledge there's so much that you see as well. When you're in the middle of your flower, there's stuff that you know that no one else knows. And I'd love to see what you see. And um, as well as, you know, Vic, I love seeing what you see. And let's all together create a world that we see that's beyond um, all the suffering that's there now. What if there's a greater choice and a greater world that's possible? Anyway, lovely to connect with you guys. Um, find us on the podcast. You'll see um, ways to connect with Vicky and myself. And, of course, Vicky just mentioned as well. She'll list all those um, amazing books out there just to point you in the right direction. But uh, till next week, have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>